Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Hello church, if I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm excited to be with you this weekend. And I'm excited to, to begin this new series that we're, we're starting today as we start to look forward to Christmas. Does anyone here just love Christmas? It's like your favorite time of the year. A lot of hands up here. How many of you guys have been playing your Christmas music since mid-October? All right, bless you, bless you, bless you. And, and how about the rest of you? Do we have any Grinches in the room? Like just loud and proud, like this just isn't kind of my thing. Security, these are the ones I was telling you about. If you could just go ahead and have them escorted out as soon as possible. <laughs> Only goodness and grace in the house of God this weekend. I kid, I kid, but it's good to be with you this weekend. You know, growing up, my dad told me a lot of stories. He was an incredible storyteller. He knew just when to, to pause. He knew just when to pick up the pace to get me excited about what was coming next. And the best thing about my dad is he just has the most fantastic stories. He could tell you about the time that he got charged by a mama grizzly bear. And see, he, he actually scared the cub up the tree and he was in between the mama and the cub. And if you know one thing about bears is that the one place you don't want to be is between the mama and the cub. And so the mama came in and, and he had his rifle but rather than actually pull the trigger, he did what any good extrovert would do, and he tried to strike up a conversation. 
And, and here's my theory. I don't know if this is exactly how it went, but I think the mama bear was so confused that it just decided to, to grab her cub and, and be on her way. She's like, no, nah, man, this guy's a little bit crazy for me. <laughs> you know, he could tell you about the time that he was racing motorcycles with his buddy Gary. And Gary had a Kawasaki 125. He had a Honda 90 Rambler. And so Gary got out a little bit in front and he, he, he tried to, to cut in front of my dad, but he didn't leave enough room. So Gary's back tire hit my dad's front tire and sent him flying. I called him last night to, to get the details straight. He said it was 50 yards he went flying in the air. So I think it's kind of one of those fish stories that it just keeps getting a little bit bigger. But, but right before his face hit the pavement, he swears that it was almost like somebody tucked his head so that he rolled instead of breaking his neck. You know, he could tell you about the first time that he got his Daisy Red Rider BB gun. Anyone in here know what a Daisy Red Rider is? And so um, he wanted to see what kind of juice this thing had. And, and so he decided to, to try it out on my grandpa's um, prized chickens. <laughs> and it turned out it had plenty of juice. <laughs> and, and what ended up happening was my, my dad ended up throwing my grandpa's prized chicken under the hog house and never told him for another 30 years. <laughs> the last, last crew thought that was funny. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he had the best stories, like the best stories. He, he, he still does. But I got to be honest, as he's gotten a little bit older, he's, he started, I'm trying to figure out a nice way to say this. He's, he's really started repeating a lot of these stories on a very frequent basis. And so I don't know if you have a dad like that who's got the same stories that he just tells over and over and over. Maybe you are that dad. I'm not sure. I'm sure I will be someday because <laughs> new material is hard to come by. But I got to tell you this. I've gotten to the point where I actually try to stop him before he gets started on some of these stories. Some of them I, I let him go. But, but sometimes I'm just like, yeah, dad, I know this one. I know this one. He's like, Brian, have I ever told you about the time that I got this scar? But my, I'm like, yes. Yes, I still know that story, Dad. The Pistorius boy threw the saucer, it tagged you in the head, and ended up getting seven stitches. That's why you got the scar there. I know. For the love of God, I know that story. <laughs> I've heard it many a time. It's this interesting thing that happens when we hear the same story over and over and over again. You know, we start really thinking that we know everything that there is to know about that story. And there's a theologian named Alice Willard. This is in your program. He has this quote. He says, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. Unsuspecting unfamiliarity and then contempt. I love that first part, though. Familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. So what that means is that when we hear a story over and over and over again, the growing perception that we know everything that there is to know about that story actually gets in the way of us engaging and continuing to learn from it. And so we might think that we know the story because we've heard it time and time and time again, but sometimes we actually disengage from stories that we've heard too many times. And so it's this interesting thing that happens, and that typically isn't that big of a deal, but when it comes to the story of Jesus, the story of Jesus is supposed to continue to transform, continue to teach, continue to give us new life. I was thinking about it this way. It's not like like a mine where you go and you dig out all the gold and then you move on. It's the stories of Jesus are more like a well that you keep coming back to. You keep throwing the bucket down and there's always fresh water. There's always new life to be found in the stories of Jesus. And so what 
ends up happening is when we think that we know everything that there is to know, we actually rob ourselves from the new truth and the new life that God's trying to give to us today through these old stories. And so I was wondering, as we enter into this Advent season, if this might be true of the Christmas story. Because it comes around every year, doesn't it? And we all know the main details. We know that there was the angel that came to Mary. She was a virgin. There was Joseph. They go to the town. The inn's full. All of a sudden, Jesus is in the, he's, he's swaddled, eight pound, six ounce, little baby Jesus is, is out there. We, we know the details of this story. But I wonder if our familiarity with this story might actually get in the way of God teaching us anything new. And so this season, as we've been dreaming about this series and talking about this story leading up to, to Christmas, this Advent, I'm part of our calendar year where we look forward expectantly to the coming Christ. I've been wondering if maybe what we need isn't a new story, it's a new perspective. It's a new expectation for the story that we already have. Maybe what we need is a new commitment to allow old stories to do new work in our hearts. And so we started kicking around this idea, maybe instead of trying to figure out a new perspective and, and telling you what the donkey thought of, of Jesus, maybe we would just tell the story again. Maybe we would just tell the story again and allow God to do something new in our expectant hearts. Maybe it's not the story that needs to change, it's us who needs to re-invite God to do something new. And so that's been my prayer for us as a church this week, and I'd love to, to pray and just center us in that today. Um, Lord, would you give us an expectancy? So would you, would you just bow your heads before we get into the scriptures? Lord, we know that your word is alive. God, that the stories about your birth are not just something that we can fully grasp in one read through. So Jesus, would you show us what it looks like to engage in your word in a way that allows us to experience new life, new joy, new fruit, new truth. God, would you continue to teach us? So oftentimes I think that we're looking for something new and you're trying to teach us something old. So God, would you transform our hearts so that we can leave here? We are so not interested in just more information. We want to be more in love with you. We want to look more like you so that we can reflect you to the world. Lord Jesus, would you move here? We love you. This is all for you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. If you have a Bible, you can pull that out. Uh, if you have an app, that's great. You've also got this in your program or on the screen. So you've got a lot of options here, but we're going to start in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he's going to reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am still a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called 
son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So this week, as we enter into the Advent season, we're just going to start by talking about the promise. The promise that the angel gave to Mary. And it's interesting, after hearing this story, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. After hearing this story time and time and time again, one of the things that has um, become abundantly clear to me is that it is so interesting the way that Mary gets talked about. It's so interesting because oftentimes I I hear her talked about almost like she's a perfect little figurine uh, caricature that is in your nativity scene. She's, she's honestly, a lot of times I feel like the humanity gets stripped out of her character. And I get it. The way that she responded to the news was pretty remarkable, especially considering how young she was. A lot of scholars think that she was maybe 13, 14 years old. And so uh, she's remarkable. But I struggle with the way that she gets portrayed because when you make her into a one-dimensional character, we actually miss out on the humanity that I think is made to be our hope in this season and the way that we relate with this character. I love, I love that her first response to seeing an angel is fear. Her first response to seeing this angel is fear. And I like that because I get fear. I get surprise. I get that sometimes when we see something extraordinary, sometimes we need a moment to process and center ourselves. So important for us to realize that Mary's not an abstraction. She's not unrelatable. She's a young girl who feels fear and pain and loss. And somehow she's found herself in the midst of the most miraculous story that's ever been told. The angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I love that. I was looking at the original Greek this this week, and this word favored means that something has been given to you out of a kindness. I think that's such a unique word. The root word for favored is gift, which is intrinsically connected with grace. And like grace, favor is given. It's not earned. And so the fact that Mary is favored here has less to do with her goodness and more to do with God's grace. And that struck me this week. And it should come as no surprise to any of us because the Bible is pretty clear when it comes to what it takes to be used by God and selected and qualified. Your Bible says it's not about your proficiency. It's actually about God's proximity to you. It's not about what you are capable of. It's not about your resume. It's about the nearness of God to you. And what does the angel say here? The angel says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with Mary. That's what makes her qualified for this role. It's not because she's strong. It's because God's strong and God is with her. That's the most important thing about Mary is that the Lord is with her. Isn't it funny, though, how oftentimes we forget this? I mean, anyone who's been around the church knows that God isn't impressed by our good works. And yet it, it still seems like we find a way to forget that God doesn't choose us because of our goodness. Here's why God chooses us. It's because 
He loves us. He's coming after us. And he's relentless. Like we've been talking about the last couple weeks, the reason why God uses us is because he loves us. He's for us. He's coming after us. And he's relentless. Verse 30 says that the angel speaks, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Mary asks a question. She says, how will this be? How will this be? I love that Mary's first question is how. Because a lot of times I think God gives us the what before he gives us the how. God gives us a picture of what it is that he wants to do, but he doesn't necessarily give us all the details of how it's going to get done. And that's actually the way that he builds up our faith. Because he shows us what he's going to do, and then we have to, 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 to step into it, even though we don't know all the details. But here's what I love. This verse shows us that it's okay to pause before we enter into just praise and thanksgiving for whatever God's calling us into. Because sometimes what God calls us into uh, is a little scary. And one of the things that I've realized this week is that God actually calls us into things that we're uniquely unable to do. So a virgin is uniquely unable to have a baby. But when God actually comes and, and, and the, the hope of the world comes through a virgin, then nobody can point to the virgin. They have to point to God. And sometimes God calls us into things that we're uniquely incapable of doing so that we don't get the glory. God gets the glory. And so I've been wondering this season, what might God be calling you into that you're uniquely incapable of doing? And you might say, God, I literally can't do that. And he says, that's the point. So when people see this, they're going to see me. They're not going to see you. I wonder what that might be for you. You know, as I've been reading this passage, I couldn't help but, but think there's, there's something about Mary. Would you look at your neighbor and, and just say there's something about Mary? I don't know if you've guys seen that one. <laughs> there's something about Mary. There's something unique about her story. There's something so familiar about it. I was looking at the details and God invites her to be the vessel through which the hope of the world is birthed. And then she, she, she carries Jesus, who's the fullness of God, inside of her womb. And through Mary's faithfulness, the hope of the world is allowed to grow and develop and mature so that it can be given away in beautiful, unexpected ways. There's just something about this story that I couldn't quite put my fingers on. That, that God, that the creator of the cosmos, I had this moment last night, I looked up, it was this, this clear night and I could see the stars and I just had one of those moments where I just felt like this is, this is crazy, this is so vast. The creator of the cosmos, the creator of Mexican food and all good things, humbled himself and decided to, to dwell inside of Mary. There's something about this story that was so familiar to me. Then it hit me. 
It hit me because the reason Mary's story resonates so deeply with me is because embedded in her story is my story. Embedded in the Christmas story, we can see our stories. Stick with me. The same words that were spoken over Mary could be spoken over you. It says, you who are highly favored... Church, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. What's the most important thing about Mary? The Lord was with her. Guess what? The Lord is with you. You who are highly favored. The same God who used Mary wants to use you. The same God who made Jesus alive in Mary's womb wants to make the spirit alive in your heart. The same God who partnered with Mary wants to partner with you to bring the good news of Jesus to every nation. How? By allowing God's fullness to dwell inside of us. It's this story that we've heard before. And while Mary was the first one who who was uh, allotted the opportunity for, for the wholeness of God to dwell inside of her, that's an invitation that we get to participate in because in Romans it says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead will come alive in you. And so Mary got to experience the fullness of God dwelling inside of her womb. But guess what? That invitation has now been extended to you. The wholeness of God is now alive in us. Church, God has given us a hope this season. But it's not a hope that's meant to be held and kept for ourselves. It's a hope that we're called to continue the mission of Mary. Did you know that the same mission um, as Mary is now the mission that we get to participate in, to be the medium through which Jesus gets shared with the world? And so Mary got to be the first person who, who allowed Jesus to enter into the world. And now we get to continue that mission. And you and I, through the power of the Holy Spirit, are empowered to bring Jesus to the nations. It's so interesting, friends. The reason the Christmas story, I think, resonates so deeply in our hearts is because it actually holds up a mirror and it shows us the miraculous nature of the story we've been invited into. Because we, we look at Mary and we look at just, just the, the great um, blessing that it is to, to have a virgin who gives birth. And then we actually have to see that, no, we've been called into this same story. We get to carry it forward. We get to, conter- we get to carry the mission that Mary started. And what this means is that Advent isn't just a season to reflect on and celebrate the coming of Christ. It's a time to reflect on and celebrate the ways that we've been invited to carry on that mission. The hope of the world, Jesus Christ, out to every nation. That is what we get to reflect on over the Advent season. Church, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you today. Familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. These these stories that we've heard over and over and over become some of the stories that we, we forget that we can still learn something from. We say, no, I've heard that one before, but maybe there's more to these stories. In this last season, one of the things God's been teaching me is is one of the best ways to re-engage with a story that maybe you've heard a lot of different times is to share it with somebody new. I don't know if if everyone here knows, but my wife Kristen and I just had a baby girl back in Brook or back in uh, back in September. Her name's Brooklyn. And aside from her mama, she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. 
And if you thought you were going to make it all the way through a message that I was going to give without hearing about my girl, then you got another thing coming. <laughs> I brought a, a picture. Oh, there she is. Oh, my gosh. There's my girls. And I can tell you this. One of my favorite things about being Brooke's dad is that I get to introduce her to new things. When we were leaving the hospital, this might sound crazy to you, but um, this is a true story. Like, I, I went outside. It had been a few days. Brooke was, I think, five days old when we got to go home. And, and I looked up, and I realized that Brooke had never seen the sky before. I said, Brooke, look. It's the sky. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that beautiful? And it was rainy because it's Bellingham. And so I said, Brooke, sometimes it's blue up there. Sometimes it's, it's not white. There's not these little droplets made of hydrogen and oxygen. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm speaking over her head for sure now. And so I looked over and I saw a tree. I said, Brooke, look at that tree. Isn't that incredible? Guys, I think it's so easy for us to, to see a tree and not, not really see it, not really experience it. I've seen lots of trees, but for some reason, this tree, I said, Brooke, look at that tree. Isn't that incredible? The whole way home, I was pointing everything out to her. I'm sure she was just so annoyed. <laughs> a couple weeks later, Kristen and I took Brooklyn on her first walk around Lake Patton. Lake Patton's kind of our spot. That's where my wife and I like to go on our walks. And, and poor Brooklyn, we, we got her out of her, uh, out of her car seat. We got her into the stroller. We started going around. And she was trying to take a nap. I, I wasn't having it. I was like, no, Brooke, you're not going to miss out on this. And so I said, Brooke, look, this is our lake. This is our trail. This is where we take our walks. I said, Brooke, right here. This is where your mom and I decided to name you Brooklyn Rose. After my grandma. I said, this is the spot right here, right over there, that dock. That's where I did that stupid ice bucket challenge a few years ago. It was so cold, Brooke. I said, Brooke, this is where, this is where I go on my run starting in early January all the way through mid-February until I give up on my New Year's resolutions. This is the spot. Brooke, this is, this is what we do. Guys, it's crazy. This girl, she's made old things new for me. I've seen plenty of trees, but that tree was new. I've walked that lake plenty of times, but that lake was new. The trail was new. Sharing old stories with new people actually brings new life in them for us. And it's got me thinking because we're so excited for Christmas this year. It's the first time that she's ever seen a Christmas tree. We got it up last week, and, and Brooke's kind of like a little bug. She just loves, she, she loves looking at lights. And so it's the cutest thing in the world. She'll just sit in front of the tree, just in awe and wonder, looking at all these little lights. I said, Brooke, look at that tree. This is the first year that she gets to hang up a stocking with her name on it. It's the first year that, that she gets to come into this room, and she gets to see that when one little candle shares his little light with another candle. And that candle shares his light with another candle. Pretty soon that little light isn't so little anymore. Pretty soon when that light gets shared, the glory of God shows up. And it's visible and it's beautiful and the darkness turns to light. Because this story was meant to be shared. Not just for those who haven't heard it yet, but for us so that we can actually be re-energized and reintroduced to the truth that maybe has become familiar to us over the years as we hear it over and over and over. 
It made me wonder, this Christmas, maybe God's prompting you to share the story with someone new. Oftentimes we frame that as, as people need to hear the story, and they need to hear the story, but I think maybe we need to share the story so that we can see it through new eyes. You know, Charles told you about the invitation. Every year we give you an opportunity to invite people to the Christmas Eve service, not so that they can come and see CTK, but so that they can come and see that the hope of Jesus is entering into the world. That's the name of this season. That's why we've been prayerfully, like actually praying over those invites because they represent people. And we want people to be actually introduced to the hope of Jesus. And it's crazy, but research, research shows, um, what I say, research? I think that's French for research, shows <laughs> that 82%, 82% of people who don't go to church say that they would try it out if they were just invited that they would engage with the story if they were just invited. And so we have such a unique opportunity in front of us, not just for them, but for you too. Maybe the very thing your weary heart needs this Christmas season is to share the good news with somebody new so that you can experience it afresh. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I got to tell you, church, there's, there's nothing new that we're going to introduce to this story this year. The angel still comes to Mary. There's, there's still no rooms open in the inn. That would be a twist this year. Oh, there is one room. That's, that's not happening. It's the same story that we're going to tell. But the good news isn't that we have a new story to tell. It's that the same story that we've always told still has power. It still has hope to be had. It's still got like an old well that just wells up new water and new life this season. So I wonder if this old story might do something new in you. So I've got one last idea I want to share with you before we close. We tend to read through this particular section of scripture in Luke 1, looking for the promise that God made to Mary through the angel. But what I noticed this year, as I was reading it and trying to say, God, what do you have that's new for me? I realized that there's not just a promise to Mary, there's also, there's also a promise for you and for me. The season of Advent leading up to Christmas is all about waiting and anticipation and expectation. And I think this promise actually changes the way that we wait. I'll read it to you. It says in verse 35, The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. So what they said was impossible with God is possible. Then we get to the good stuff here. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. That's not just a promise to Mary. That is a declaration about God that applies to us. For no word from God will fail. So what does that mean? That means no prophecy, no promise, no covenant from God will ever fail. That means that we're not waiting to see if God is faithful. We're, seeing to, we're beginning to wait to see when God will be faithful and what it's going to look like. That means, and in the scripture, Hebrews 10, it says, you need to persevere. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. 
And I was struck because this is, this is God imploring. He's calling you to persevere because he wants to lavish his generosity and his love on you. He wants to be able to uh, allow you to experience the richness of the promises that he's given. And so in conclusion, I'm going I'm to invite the band to come back out. And I want to finish our time by recentering, remembering the promises that God has so graciously given to us. As we enter into this Advent season of expectation and waiting, I think it's important that we know what we're waiting for, what God has promised to us. Because although the seasons may change, the word of God remains the same. And so I'm going to ask us to do something a little bit different. Will you stand with me as we close? And what I'd like to do is I'd like to actually read some scripture over you. And these aren't my ideas, they're God's ideas. These are the promises that God has given you, not just in Advent season, but in every season. So I'll invite you, if it helps you engage, you can close your eyes and simply allow these verses to speak to you right where you're at. Whatever season you're in, whatever you're, you're carrying today, this is promise. This is God's promise to you. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He says, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither fears for today nor worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate you from the love of God. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. Church, you have been promised a blessed inheritance. You have been promised freedom in Christ and everlasting life and an anchor that's firm and secure. So I'm going to invite you to respond to the good news of God. As we sing this last song, in the chorus it says, Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. What's our confidence in? It's that we've never been let down before by God. And the word of God says that no word from God will ever fail. So no matter what our season looks like. We know that the promise still stands. God's word stays the same, and his hope for us is in Jesus Christ. So God bless. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.